Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy. You know what? I love him. He's terrific. He really is. He built this incredible company, MyPillow. Everybody knows it. He's rich. He's successful. He's a man of faith. He kicked a horrible addiction. And now he's committed to finding out what really happened in the 2020 election. A lot of people still have questions. So much has not been answered. You may have heard about the symposium that he's running. This thing has been widely mocked by the mainstream media. But then again, when have they ever done us wrong, right? Mike might be at times easy to pick on. He's kind of wild. He's not the most polished person in the world when he gets uh, emotional about something. Those are some of the reasons why I like him. And the mainstream media can't stand him for that. So easy to make fun of. And they do all the time. Not even giving him a chance. I don't think you really understand how votes are cast, collected, and tabulated in this country. Okay, the, you, you know what? Anyway, paper ballots Donald which were Trump cast, was going to win anyway. The paper ballots you which were You didn't do an audit to match them up, though. Were audited against the machine No, they weren't. No, they weren't. In these counties, no, they, they were, No, they weren't. Mike, the all these county officials are lying? I don't know. I, they might be misconstrued. Mike, you could you can make up anything. Who can? No, you can't. You, this you, is right. No, this is right. You are just going to have no, a no, no, demonstration. No, no, no. We're worried that what you are doing is mistakenly or deliberately destroying the confidence in the legitimate elected president of the United States. Well, I have no confidence in Joe Biden, all right? I mean, a lot of us don't. Yes, he's president, he's there, but we can still have questions about how he got there. And this person represents all of the mainstream media to me right now. And when have they steered us wrong? Trump would never win. Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. The world is flat. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. Let's go by, uh, let's go through his background, by the way. This is a Mr. Griffith, I believe, with CNN. Griffin, his wide-ranging expertise, according to his official bio, includes coverage of politics as well as sports, corporate, and government investigations. Griffin began his reporting career as a reporter slash cameraman for WICD TV in Champaign, Illinois. Well, good for him. That does not make him an expert on these matters. No, but he could send out some emails and get the answer that he's looking for. We didn't consult just one cyber expert. We consulted nine top election security experts who told us Lindell's screenshots were extremely rudimentary metadata and completely ridiculous. I think the mainstream media are completely ridiculous. Do you think they looked, they genuinely queried all those people? They were looking for an answer and they got it because they are too invested in what they have been saying and what they say would happen in the 2020 election. The need by modern Republicans to now accept and promulgate the big lie. Arizona Republicans forced the audit in an effort to support the big lie that Donald Trump only lost because of widespread fraud. You see Republican leaders pushing the big lie. They perpetrated this big lie about fraud when there was absolutely no election fraud. Thanks, Mooch. Um, these are legitimate questions, they are. Joe Biden's the president. Okay, I don't want the cops to come storming in here. He's the president. But what happened? What about the constitutionality of the voting in Pennsylvania? These are legitimate questions. And I'm glad Mike Lindell is pursuing them because, you know, when they run around saying the big lie uh, and suing people, that 
That scares folks, actually. That makes them reluctant. He has the resources and the courage to pursue answers. And I give him so much credit because, well, do we really think this election was fair? Huh? Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. You saw the images. I saw the images. <laughs> there are a lot of questions. All right. There are so many anomalies with this election. And uh, why are they getting so touchy when these questions are raised? I mean, really touchy. If you ask questions about the fairness of 2020, what do they do? Violence could happen. They are saying that violence could happen and it could lead to another January 6th. A day that has been hyped, exaggerated, distorted beyond all recognition so they can take questions about the last election off the table. They're still doing it. Actually, the Department of Homeland Security is apparently looking for chatter online, people talking about election fairness. Take a look at this from today. We've got breaking news, brand new reporting just in within the last couple of minutes here on a new warning from the Department of Homeland Security to police departments around the country. NBC News reporting that local law enforcement officers are being told that these false claims of fraud, lies about the 2020 election, basically, are fueling calls for violence online. Those officials expressed concern back to DHS. They're seeing the same thing, which is that on mm. social media and in public forums, there are increasing calls for violence in response to these conspiracy theories about fraud in the 2020 election and about the alleged possible reinstatement of former President Donald Trump. So calls for violence online are already illegal. What they're getting at here is the chatter about the election, fairness about the election. That's what they're after, okay? It's already illegal, again, to uh, encourage violence online or talk about what you want to blow up or anything like that. That shouldn't happen. It doesn't happen. Or when it does, you're in trouble. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because right now, what they should be focusing on instead of people having legitimate conversations about the fairness of the election. How about the Taliban? The Taliban is poised to take over Afghanistan. It is going to happen probably a lot quicker than it would have under President Trump. It wouldn't have been this sloppy. It would not have been so unprofessional, our withdrawal from that country. It had to happen. We had to come out, but not like this. Isn't it interesting? Now that Trump is gone, we are back to losing again. We are back to losing again, just like it was under Obama-Biden, now Biden-Harris. It's one of the reasons why I was pulling for Trump when he announced his uh, campaign for president. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beating, let's say, China in a trade deal? They kill us. I beat China all the time, all the time. I'll tell you, when he said that, it really resonated with me. I know it resonated with you. That's one of the reasons why he won. Right now, it doesn't feel like we're winning. However, I am seeing some great warriors, and I think we are going to win in the end. Have you seen these women stand up at school boards? They've been amazing. And another one I'd like to introduce you to, uh, a teacher, or I guess I should say former teacher in Loudoun County, Virginia. She's about to tender her resignation in front of the school board. Watch what happens. My name is Laura Morris. I have been a teacher in Loudoun County Public Schools for five years and a teacher for 10. 
In that time, I have learned so much, being on the cutting edge of educational technology and working with a diverse population of students that I have loved. This year, I have the privilege to follow my amazing fourth graders up to fifth, and I have been excited about this all summer. On the other hand, this summer I have struggled with the idea of returning to school, knowing that I'll be working yet again with a school division that despite its shiny tech and flashy salary, promotes political ideologies that do not square with who I am as a believer in Christ. After reading about your lack of consideration for the growing population of concerned citizens in this division, clearly evidenced by this empty room tonight where you shut the doors to the public as well as the emails sent by the superintendent last year reminding me that a dissenting opinion is not allowed even to be spoken in my personal life, going so far as to send a form to my colleagues and I encouraging us to fill it out if we hear one another speaking against the controversial policies being promoted by this school board and adopted in this county. Not only that, but within the last year, I was told in one of my so-called equity trainings that white, Christian, able-bodied females currently have the power in our schools and that, quote, this has to change. Clearly, you've made your point. You no longer value me or many other teachers you've employed in this county. So since my contract outlines the power that you have over my employment in Loudoun County Public Schools, I thought it necessary to resign in front of you. School board, I quit. I quit your policies. I quit your trainings. And I quit being a cog in a machine that tells me to push highly politicized agendas on our most vulnerable constituents, the children. I will find employment elsewhere. I encourage all parents and staff in this county to flood the private schools. Tamara Nielsen. Her name is Laura Morris, Laura Morris. And in my book, she's right up there with Paul Revere and Patrick Henry. America is not over. I'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is power. Is freedom is money, is health, is Newsmax. Millions watch it for free. So can you. No paywall, no subscription. Newsmax is real news for real people. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can say... Is, is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> fake news. Come a long way. I want to show you something. It's back in 1992. Look at how things were back then. Bill Clinton, Jennifer Flowers, campaign of 92. Remember this? Jennifer Flowers came forward and told her story about a long-term affair with uh, then-Governor Bill Clinton. 
Huge story. Looked like his campaign was finished. The National Enquirer had it. Everybody was talking about it at one point. So Jennifer Flowers had a great big press conference at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Watch what happens when she's uh, questioned by a friend of Howard Stern's named John Melendez. He had a question for Jennifer Flowers about her affair with Bill Clinton. He told me to just deny it. Did Governor Clinton use a condom? Jesus. Right here. Right here. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put this to a stop if there are any further questions that are degrading, in my opinion. All right, they almost stopped the press conference over that seemingly ridiculous question. Fast forward to uh, a couple of years ago. Today's America, the most prestigious show in broadcast news, 60 Minutes, talking to Stormy Daniels. She had some things to say about Donald Trump. Anderson Cooper asked her some questions, including one that we just heard, actually. Watch this. You work in an industry where condom use is, a, is an issue. Did, did he use a condom? No. Did you ask him to? No. I honestly didn't say anything. Isn't that kind of wild? I mean, 30 years ago or so, all hell breaks loose, pandemonium. They almost stopped the press conference. And now Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes asked the same question, and it's normal. Uh, I think we are going backwards or going, I don't know, but I don't like the direction at all, at all. All right. I was watching MSNBC today, and uh, boy, it sounds like everybody who's in jail is actually innocent if you watch the news including uh, this man, Lamar Johnson. Now, he may, in fact, be, who knows, but uh, they try to bring the viewer up to speed on the evidence that uh, exonerates him, allegedly. Uh, they do it real quick. The police arrested Lamar Johnson, who was tried, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. That's where the story might end if Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's office hadn't found this, a record of payments never disclosed to the only eyewitness in the case who later recanted his testimony. Years later, two other people confessed they were the killers, not Lamar Johnson. All right, a lot of information there. Uh, just because two other people confessed does not mean uh, he didn't do it. Okay, just sometimes folks react that way, but often other criminals confess, and it doesn't mean the guy is not guilty. I don't know in this case, but I do know in this story who's portrayed as the boogeyman. Republicans. Repub Even though this guy was convicted in 1995, Republicans are to blame. We are talking with all the major players in this case, including the Republican attorney general we tracked down, who denies he's playing politics. A judge appointed the Missouri attorney general, Republican Eric Schmidt, to represent the state, pitting him against Gardner, a progressive Democrat. I think the attorney general is afraid of someone like me that's a progressive prosecutor. A new state law set to go into effect later this month will give prosecutors like Gardner more power to correct wrongful convictions. But the Republican attorney general could still intervene. His office declined our repeated requests for a formal interview. Mr. Schmidt. So we found him after an event and asked about Gardner's suggestion he's playing politics. That's ridiculous. Why? Uh, I care about the people of the state. She can make whatever accusation she wants. It's not personal for me. Get the picture? Democrats, progressives good, Republicans bad. This from MSNBC, which purports to be straight news. All right. 
This one right now is for the fellas and for the ladies that love them. Who remembers Hill Street Blues? love this show. Great theme song uh, about a bunch of cops and um, their chaotic personal lives. But remember, before the cops hit the street, the sergeant in charge always gave them a message. Let's be careful out there. Let's be careful out there because the rules do seem to be wildly changing and uh, are arbitrarily enforced. Now, I know people are upset sometimes that I'm defending Governor Cuomo. There are a lot of reasons to not like Governor Cuomo. COVID, that crazy book deal, but this uh, sex harassment stuff is nonsense. It really is. Um, and he actually here makes a pretty good point. In my mind, I've never crossed the line with anyone, but I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn. Cuomo's resignation comes exactly one week after the release of a scathing report from the state's attorney general, alleging the governor sexually harassed 11 women. 11 women. And the lead accuser, the one with the most serious allegations, is uh, this one, Brittany Camisso. She, you can't see her in this version. This was last week's newspaper. Creep. One hell of a headline there. What does this photo look like in reality? Here it is. And this photo taken just moments after she says she was groped by the governor. A lot of people find her story incredible. Now that he has resigned or announced that he is leaving in two weeks, how does this accuser feel about uh, what's happened? Cuomo's accusers today also reacting to the news. It feels like a weight is off of my shoulders and hopefully I can move forward and be happy again. And be happy again. And more? Is this resignation enough for you? It's not. He didn't take responsibility. Uh, he didn't really apologize. Watching his press conference today and his resignation, he almost still had the attitude as though he is the victim. When he is not the victim, he is the victimizer. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. You know, Cuomo's attorney raised questions about her and her motivations, and it is just fine to ask these questions and talk about it. It is. This is still America. So they raised questions about what she was seeking, what her motivations may have been. There was also testimony by several evidence, by several witnesses about potential motives and what was going on with Ms. Camiso in late 2020 and early 2021 and concerns she had about her job, that she had been turned down for a raise, and concerns that there was a possibility uh, that because her work hours might change, she could be transferred. That was not reflected in the attorney general's report. All that sounds pretty relevant to me. And I look at this picture and again, I, uh, I have a hard time conceiving that she had just been groped by the governor. That's her story. That's her story. 11 women. That's the most serious allegation. Here's another one by state entity employee number two. Did you hear this? Uh, you're about to see, and I think it bears repeating, an example, according to the state of New York, what you're about to see is the governor 
sexually harassing a woman. This is official sexual harassment. There should be no reluctance. This is Dr. Elizabeth Dufort, who is in the appropriate PPE wear. Nice to see you, doctor. You make that gown look good. Head up a little bit. Head up. Close your eyes. Close my eyes. Why do I need to close my eyes? You can question the doctor. That's okay. Why do I need to close my eyes? For comfort. comfort. It might make you tear a little bit. Okay. If I fall asleep? <laughs> then we'll have you sit down. Head up a little bit. That's okay. it? Yeah. That's it. Okay. Nothing else. That's it. So brave of her to come forward. She was just sexually harassed, according to our government. So that's why I think the sergeant has a very, very important reminder to all the men out there. Let's be careful out here. I'll be right back. January 6th, they are still exaggerating it, uh, distorting it. They want to take questions off the table about the election in 2020, and they use January 6th as an excuse to do that. Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Hill police officer, died of natural causes. We know that now, even though they lied to us so many times about this hero. A Capitol Hill police officer named Brian Sicknick was killed by the mob with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Fatally wounding Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who was struck in the head by a fire extinguisher. All right. When that turned out not to be the case, they modified it. They tried bear spray. That turned out not to be the case. And they modified it again. And they just chose uh, a chemical. Federal authorities have arrested two men in the assault of a U.S. Capitol police officer who later died. Officials say the men, one from Pennsylvania, the other from uh, West Virginia, worked together to spray Officer Brian Sicknick with a chemical during the Capitol riot. Well, now we know that he died, Brian Sicknick, of natural causes in the autopsy. Uh, nothing about uh, bear spray, nothing about trauma to the head. But they distorted this. They desperately wanted to portray this as a violent death because that would stigmatize um, Trump supporters even more, even more. And now we're hearing Judicial Watch just found a trove of emails where media organizations were totally like, what's going on here? We have a narrative. Now you're telling us it's natural causes. That doesn't wash. We have a story to tell. By the way, I want to talk about closure for a moment. Closure is a word the media loves to use. You know, people are seeking closure. Governor Cuomo's accusers, they want closure, 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 closure. I spoke to some of the accusers yesterday, Karen Hinton being one of them. She was actually mentioned in the 165-page uh, AG report. She was not one of the 11 women, but I asked her if this gained her some closure, right, the resignation of this governor. And she says, yes, it had, but it doesn't kind of account for uh, what he did. All right. So let me see Karen Hinton, uh, a political operative for a long time now. She alleges that in the year 2000, 21 years ago, Governor Cuomo gave her an unwanted hug and later asked her intimate questions during a 
taxi cab ride, I believe, thought it was inappropriate and unethical. And now she has closure that the governor is uh, no longer governor or soon will not be. The 11 women, they are all looking for closure. And I've heard this all day long, closure, closure for these women. What about closure for the Babbitt family? Ashley Babbitt. She was shot and killed on television, unarmed, no warning. We all saw it. And no one cares about her, her family. No one, what about closure for them? I hate to show this moment again, but it's important. Here it is. Closure. Closure. I think it would be really nice for the Babbitt family. But this story continues to be ignored by the mainstream media. But you know who's not ignoring it? The 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Just this afternoon, he put out this statement. I spoke to the wonderful mother and devoted husband of Ashley Babbitt, who was murdered at the hands of someone who should never have pulled the trigger of his gun. We know who he is. If that happened to the other side, there would be riots all over America. And yet there are far more people represented by Ashley who truly loved America than there are on the other side. The radical left haters cannot be allowed to get away with this. There must be justice. Absolutely. The one and only. We'll never have another one like him. I'll be right back. We've got breaking news, brand new reporting just in within the last couple of minutes here on a new warning from the Department of Homeland Security to police departments around the country. NBC News reporting that local law enforcement officers are being told that these false claims of fraud, lies about the 2020 election, basically, are fueling calls for violence online. Those officials expressed concern back to DHS. They're seeing the same thing, which is that on mm. social media and in public forums, there are increasing calls for violence in response to these conspiracy theories about fraud in the 2020 election and about the alleged possible reinstatement of former President Donald Trump. All right, here's what I think is going on. A call for violence online is uh, illegal already. What they're trying to get at, people asking questions about the 2020 election, the fairness thereof. There are genuine concerns out there, and the government should not be um, bothering with people talking about that online, in my opinion. Let's bring in the experts, though. We have Jim Hansen. He's the president of the Security Studies Group, a veteran of the U.S. Army Special Forces. Welcome, sir. And Jonathan Gilliam, former FBI agent and author of Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. Oh, forward by our friend Sean Hannity. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, Jim, first to you. I'm not wrong, right? I mean, that stuff saying <laughs> calling for violence online is already illegal. I fear what the government is trying to do is get to the talk about the election and, quite frankly, that's not their role. Yeah, don't doubt for a second that the goal here is to create a rationale for increased surveillance and for pushing the number of groups and people that they can call extremists into the DHS and FBI dragnet. It is 100% a politically motivated thing. I have a friend still in the game. He saw this report. There is zero actionable intelligence in it. It's just chatter and people blowing off steam. It's a it's a bad political game and we shouldn't put up with it. Jonathan. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with with Jim. You know, uh, all three of us are former veterans, Army, Marines and Navy. 
and we've all faced an enemy. We know when we were in the military, we were given a specific enemy and a specific reason why they are our enemy. And what's happening now, my contacts in DHS and in the FBI are telling me that the, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, this is all they're focused on. They are solely focused on this. And when you go out and seek information that you deem bad, you are going to find that information uh, in especially open chatter when people are disagreeing with something. It doesn't mean that they're planning an operation. It doesn't mean that they're enemies of the state. But you can listen to a neighbor or you can get in an argument with somebody at a bar and they will say, I wish you were dead. Right? It doesn't mean they're going to go out and that they have ill feelings towards you at the time. And so what it, what's occurring here is that they are creating the threat, just like they created a dossier for Trump. You broke up there at just the critical time. Um, but I, I, I got the message. I did get the message. I think they're trying to stigmatize legitimate political discussions, even at the very highest level, even including Donald Trump meeting with the Babbitt family. Listen to this from uh, MSNBC Today. Where are we in our politics that the ex-president who is inciting domestic violent extremism meets with the mother of, by your definition, by Officer Hodges, the mother of a, of a domestic terrorist, and everyone kind of shrugs it off? I mean, Nicole, you were there uh, in the Bush years. Uh, you know, can you imagine if President Bush had met with either the widow or a mother of a jihadist that had killed American troops or was trying to kill American troops, it would have been an absolute political scandal of epic proportions. Uh, that's, uh, that's cute. That's cute. Ashley Babbitt was not a domestic terrorist, okay? And, uh, you know, I think uh, she should be treated with respect, her memory, just like George Floyd should be treated with respect, all right? Um, to a reasonable degree. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that, uh, Jim? I think what they're trying to do, and specifically said it, was to equate this to Islamic terrorism, to the events on 9-11, and create the impression that people who now disagree with this political party, this administration, are somehow guilty of, of the crimes of domestic terrorism. It's disgraceful, and I, I think as citizens, we're des we deserve better than this, and we yeah. need to put people in power who will respect that. And uh, Joe Biden, I'm sorry, John, what did you want to say? No, I just, I think we are already given examples of the way the government works. Let's look at Michigan with the 12 informants from the FBI in creating a plot and funding it to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Let's look at the dossier that they made to try to frame Trump as a bad guy. These are things that are happening over and over that the government is doing and their tactics are known. Gentlemen, I appreciate it very much. Jim Hansen and Jonathan Gilliam to be continued, and I'll be right back. Would you please go on the record with the American people? Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Do you remember her? Do you remember any, any types of complaints that she might have made? I don't remember any type of complaint she <clears throat> may have made. It was 27 years ago. And uh, I don't remember, nor does anyone else that I'm aware of. And uh, the fact is that I don't remember. 
I, I don't remember any complaint ever having been made. Joe Biden discussing Tara Reid, a former aide to him, who made a very credible allegation about sexual assault. Tara Reid joins us right now. Tara, great to have you back on Newsmax. How are you, first of all? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a hot summer, but otherwise it's good. Uh, glad to hear. First off, Tara, to refresh everybody's memory, and actually to this point, not everybody knows your story because it wasn't well told. It wasn't widely told. The mainstream media had your story for a long time, yet chose to ignore it. Uh, it had been out for months, many months before that interview, and it was one and done. It was over for Joe Biden. Um, right. What are you thinking now in the wake of what happened to Andrew Cuomo? Well, I think um, what some of the investigation has shown is that um, Andrew Cuomo used his power and resources to silence, not only silence and suppress stories about him, but also to discredit the survivors coming forward, like Lindsay Boylan, and then how her personnel was um, file was um, illegally leaked. Um, and then there was a letter where they colluded with Time's Up, an organization supposedly to help women who are in are in these dire straits, um, they were actually colluding with Cuomo's staff to discredit her. I went through a similar journey. Um, I went to Time's Up for help and didn't know that Anita Dunn, who was one of the founders of Time's Up, this nonprofit supposedly helping sexual assault survivors, she was already working for Joe Biden. And according to FEC, Joe Biden spent $2.2 million on his public relations campaign with her firm to suppress stories like myself and others that may harm him and also build up his image. That's what PR does. So, And yeah, so my story never got told because when you're up against a PR machine, that, that that's, you know, it's well, too hard. Let me ask you this, because the allegations that you made against Joe Biden were of sexual assault, very, very serious. The allegations against um, the governor, mostly sexual harassment, one groping, which I understand might be a misdemeanor. They were not as serious, quite frankly, as what happened to you. But the media, they embraced these women. They embraced the story and they, they pursued it rather relentlessly. But they didn't in your case. Do you have any theories as to why that is? Absolutely. I mean, I think that there was the nursing home issue with Cuomo. He had covered up numbers. He had basically, with his policies, killed um, thousands of people. And the DOJ dropped that investigation. Um, these women came forward. There was such an egregious um, you know, way that they tried to discredit them. It, it drew attention. Um, I think that the Democratic elites were having a battle, and I think that they threw Cuomo under the big bus. He was no longer useful. Also, there's another thing I think people forgot. In 2020, Cuomo wanted to be wanted to replace Biden. Yeah, and run. You're absolutely right. I, I, there's some, you know, issues with that. Uh, I I totally agree. I pointed it out uh, earlier this week. Uh, many people were calling for that, and I think Joe Biden remembers. So I think your analysis, quite frankly, is uh, is spot on. Are you at all resentful though that the same? Apparatus And granted, yes, there are other factors kind of motivating people to get Cuomo. But are you a little bit resentful that you did not get more support, more assistance uh, than what's what you're seeing now? 
I'm not resentful, I'm motivated. I'm motivated to help the survivors behind me get the proper help that they need. Um, you know, and I think it's wonderful that Lindsay Boylan and Charlotte um, had, you know, yesterday to celebrate. Their voices were finally heard, they were vindicated, and he resigned. Um, now it's Joe Biden's turn. <laughs> yes, well, listen, we could talk about Charlotte, Bennett, and Lindsey Boylan. Again, their allegations against Cuomo are not nearly as serious as the ones that you had. And in my opinion, quite frankly, this is me, not as credible as the ones you have against Joe Biden. We haven't seen Andrew Cuomo touch people inappropriately. Not saying it didn't happen, although I have my doubts, but we have seen Joe Biden touch all kinds of people inappropriately all the time. And the idea that he may have touched you inappropriately or worse, to me, is far more um, credible, far more. I could I could conceive of that far more readily than the Cuomo situation. I you know, I support the Cuomo survivors and I believe them. And um, I knew about Lindsay's um you know, uh, allegations before it really came to the public eye. I mean, it was very kind of, you know, simmering around the surface and it wasn't getting a lot of coverage. Same kind of tactic they used with me where they just kind of tried to suppress it. So I believe the Cuomo survivors and what happened because sexual harassment, unfortunately, is rampant in, um, you know, political, the political sphere and the entertainment sphere. But I think more importantly that what needs to happen now is Cuomo had a proper investigation. Where's the investigation into Biden? When Jen Psaki said it was fully litigated, there's been no litigation. There's been no court cases. There's been no investigation. It yeah. would take one member of Congress to open one. So who will it be? Yeah, it was litigated. What, the New York Times did one story? The Washington Post did a story? And, and Mika Brzezinski got to interview uh, Joe Biden. That's not litigation. That's a, that's a friendly press tour. That's a yeah, going on morning, Joe. That's not <laughs> that's not an investigation with his buddy's wife. I mean, no. And she asked him softball questions and didn't follow up. Even Jen Psaki did not answer the question about the Secret Service agent. And obviously, there's more to that than what was just kind of thrown out there, right? It just wasn't answered. Was there a written report against Joe Biden? There's question marks. And with mine, there is. There's a sexual harassment report that I filed. There's now a police report. There are things to look at, and there were witnesses um, that cooperated as far as saying that I was removed from my intern, you know, supervising the interns, um, cooperating witnesses that I told them, you know. Well, there's no question. There's no question that you were there on Capitol Hill at that time. You worked yeah. for Joe Biden. Every That's been established. There is so much more to establish where you were what you were doing, what may have happened, then say with Christine Blasey Ford and, and Justice Kavanaugh. But I want to play uh, what we played on the way in. Mika and the vice president, then vice president, former vice president, presidential candidate, having a discussion about you. Would you please go on the record with the American people? Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Do you remember her? Do you remember any any types of complaints that she might have made? I don't remember any type of complaint she <clears throat> may have made. It was 27 years ago. And uh, I don't remember, nor does anyone else that I'm aware of. And uh, the fact is that I don't remember. 
I, I don't remember any complaint ever having been made. Two things that struck me about that. He said it never happened and it didn't. He didn't say that never happened. He said it. In my mind, maybe I'm taking a leap here. He's referring to an incident. You know what I mean? There's a, the it is a moment in time, perhaps. He also dodged about whether or not he remembered you. I saw it as a dodge. What did you think when you saw that? Oh, absolutely. He knows exactly who I am. He remembers me because I went to three, I went through protocol. There's a protocol that you go through like any office. You go to your immediate supervisor. If they don't help you, you go to that supervisor. And then I went to the chief of staff, which was Ted Kaufman. And I talked with Ted Kaufman about the sexual harassment. I did not talk about the sexual assault at that time. I talked about the sexual harassment. And so then that's when the pressure started. After the assault is when I filed the written complaint, and then I was immediately forced out of the office, and I lost my career. By the way, you, uh, you told your mother about this, I believe your late mother, who called yes, into Larry King, Larry King Live, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and put the question to the panel. Uh, we have that moment. We're going to play it now. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what... Um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would do, do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. That's your mom's voice. Yeah. Yeah, I always get a little emotional when I hear it. She died of um, she died of a throat cancer. So I, it, it was really um, something when I got to hear her voice again. So um, so it was it was yeah, um, that was emotional. And I also gave her a hard time for calling into Larry King. So well, it was a different era. It, it was a different era, of course. And uh, yeah. and we maybe we should have that investigation. And I hope we get it. I hope you get it. And Tara, yeah. Tara Reed, thank you for sharing your story once again. And uh, you're a friend of Newsmax. We wish uh, you all the best, and we hope we can talk again. Oh, thank you so much, and and thank you for playing my, uh, you know, the tape and and so on. I appreciate it. Well, Have a good day. It's evidence, and uh, and I'm sure she was a great lady. Uh, thank you, Tara. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us once again. I have a favor to ask. Um, tell your friends, all right? Tell them about Newsmax. Tell them about this show. We are growing, and we'd like to grow a bit faster. We're doing some interesting things here that we're proud of, and uh, we'd, like, uh, we'd like to tell more people about it, all right? So we could use your help. Many, many thanks, and stand by for Stinchfield. See you tomorrow.